SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. I am Gabriel Branson. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between throwing it down. The Friday Night Free Show has begun. Series XM Channel 1, a 5-9. The Denver Nuggets are one win away from their first ever NBA championship. 47 years in, one win away. They beat down the Miami Heat. The Nuggets are laying nine on Monday night as uh, the Miami Heat look defeated for the first time after tonight's basketball game. Um, normally the Miami Heat like have that we're good everything's going to be fine don't worry about it everybody hasn't believed us in the, in the past this time they look like they understood what just happened and you know they look like a fighter actually and it's I guess it's um, it's a perfect segue considering it's UFC 289 in Vancouver uh, this weekend but let's say like a five round fight a championship fight and. You know, the fighter beat all these contenders to get there, and it took them five years to get there. And they're in the championship fight, and they're four rounds in, and they're getting their ass handed to them. And they're sitting on a stool, and they know there's nothing I can do. They keep taking me down, and I can't stop it. And they're grounding and pounding me, and there's nothing I can do about it. And even if we do stand up, then they're going to kick me in the head. Right? Like, Denver, you know— it remind Denver remind me of like a of a football team, like of a college football team that's just like destroying an inferior opponent. That's what this looks like to me. Like when you watch this, you're sort of like, wow, how are these two teams playing against each other? Like Denver are just so much better than Miami are, but one of them is the one seed in the West, and the other one is the eight seed in the East. So I guess we really shouldn't be all that much surprised, but. In the sense, when I say it's like a football team, it's like watching Alabama play Vanderbilt, all right? It's like, well, he could throw it to the guy that's wide open in the left part of the uh, end zone, or he could run it in himself, or he could throw it to the tight end. <laughs> sort of like Georgia. It's like you drop back. It's like, well, I don't know. I got four guys open. I guess I'll throw it to him, right? That's like Denver. It's like Denver beating them by double digits, yet Denver haven't really been challenged. In a way, even though they lost in that one game, they were up by double digits. They took the pedal off the metal and they lost by three. All right, and they could have tied the game at the buzzer. Really, the only thing that'll be stopping the Denver Nuggets from their from celebrating and letting the party begin on Monday night in the Mile High City will be themselves. Will be themselves. They have all weekend to think about this. They have they they have all weekend. To start, you know, thinking ahead about things. Man, I can't believe I'm about to be an NBA champion. Man, you know what? 
I like it here, but I think I might go to Orlando because they're going to pay me more. <laughs> People are going to start, like, you know, thinking ahead a little bit. Let's roll the late night anchor management class. This is Sportridge. I am Gabriel Morenci. It's Jokic and Murray's world. We're just living in it. We tell you time and ten, time again. If it wasn't for uh, Jokic, people would be saying that Murray's the real MVP of this series. Let's roll. It's the Friday night uh, freak show. We got a full house. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be, including everybody listening in the Bay Area on the Sports Byline Radio Networks. We got SoCal in the house. Sirius XM Channel 159 Sports Grid, of course kicking it out of New York City. So we've got a lot of uh, networks and uh, a lot of others that we didn't mention. We'll get to everybody else later. We're not going to forget anybody. Wherever you are, it's all good. So we got a full house on the show tonight. NBA basketball. Rob Vino steps up and in from Philadelphia. Uh, PA. Rob Vino. Wager Talk. Rob Vino Sports. Uh, com. Tony Finn on the radar. Although, um, you know, with all this UFO talk uh, over the last, you know, there's a lot of UFO talk. And I think... Um, Tony's been very busy recently. Tony joins us from Area 51. So can we confirm Tony Finn's presence? I don't know. Can we confirm Alien's presence? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe Tony is the alien. Tony Finn on the radar tonight from Area 51. Aaron Bronstetter. Aaron Bronstetter will step up and in. Aaron's our first guest tonight. So Aaron Orville. Old school. I can't, you know, it's, it's weird for saying Aaron Bronstetter. We're kicking it old school. Um, you know the big E. Eric Cohen who joins us on the program every couple of weeks? He used to be our update guy on Sports Rage on, on Sirius Channel 98. And Aaron Bronstetter was our producer. And Aaron's nickname on the program and Twitter was blowing up. Oh, Orville uh, was Orville because I thought he looked like Orville Redenbacher. I said, man, you look just like Orville Redenbacher. So I nicknamed him Orville, and it stuck. <laughs> but now he's a dignified uh, mixed martial arts reporter. And um, he does a great job. So, um, yeah, Aaron Bronstetter will step up, and then we'll catch in uh, with Aaron. We'll get his thoughts on UFC 289, Nunes, and Aldana. Uh, what does Amanda Nunes' future hold? A lot of people thought that this is a tougher matchup for her than the original Juliana Pena matchup was. Brent Beard kicks in with us. You think we're going to go a night without talking football and college football? Come on, man. We got USFL picks, CFL picks, UFC picks, Champions League picks, MLS picks, basketball picks, French League picks. This is Sports Rage. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You are listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moretzi. And uh, believe it or not, I'm doing better today than I was yesterday. Uh, but we're good to go. No rest for the wicked. You know, somebody uh, said to me today, man, are you all right? Uh, it sounds like you're sick. And I said, yeah, well, what difference does it make? <laughs> Essentially. Hey, what, what difference does it make? Uh, we do this show. And uh, you think we always feel good, baby, when we do this show? The show must go on one way uh, or another. 
Once I basically nearly chopped my finger off and I finished the show. And there was like blood like going all over the studio and stuff like that. I was like, I'll deal with it after the show. It's only like I can get through a two-hour show. We'll worry about it after. But no, we're doing we're doing a little bit better. But um, we look forward to Aaron Bronstadter stepping up and in and uh, kicking it with us. Although, you know what? It's, it's not like I sound like Adele in the first place anyways, right? I'm not Pavarotti here, so... I'm not sure. I gotta say, Gabe, tell. you pulled you, you pulled a Leo DiCaprio. If you cut your hand in the middle of you know of you doing the show, Leo DiCaprio did that in the movie uh, Django Unchained, where he was doing the scene and he slammed the table and he broke a glass by accident, cut up his whole entire hand. They didn't stop actually filming and they actually kept rolling the film and he didn't cut, he didn't cut out a character and they actually used that part of the uh, of they they used that cut in the movie, the full cut. No no joke, man. And it made True it greatness. more gory. True greatness. True greatness. Yeah, true greatness. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's like, no, That's wild no, stuff, no. bro. He knows I'm in the middle of this, and I'm going to use this right now as part of it. Like, you know what I mean? His rage. And it's like, right, he's going he's gonna to play into it. Funny, I don't know. I brought this up the other night, actually. I don't know what show it was on. I think it was on Game Time Decisions. But we were talking about the National Hockey League and the, the NHL's, like, system of justice that they have in which you can smash someone in the face with your stick if if they don't go down like they're shot and they're not bleeding they really won't do anything about it now you might get a penalty you know all high sticking but if you do the same thing if you harmlessly just sort of clip somebody with your stick accidentally in the face and they start bleeding it's a four minute penalty you get double the amount so I said, and I've said in the past, I don't know why somebody, I'm surprised somebody, I, you know, listen, you would get suspended. They wouldn't kick you out of the league for this if you got caught. But my deal was, Matthias, you go with the fake blood and or you actually cut yourself for real with a razor blade. And, I, and I, they would know fake blood. They would be able to tell it's fake. So sort of you keep a razor blade like in your glove somewhere and then at some point in time when you really need a penalty for the other team at this and something happens to you so you get clipped with a stick you just sort of go oh my god and you go down right and they can't tell when you go down you just sort of go down and scuff your forehead your face with your glove when you go down and then you cut your forehead open and there's blood everywhere and you get you get a penalty call so I was sort of kidding about it, right? That's like so that's what they do in wrestling, and people wondering about wrestling when you see. Blood. I'm with you, Gabe. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, you know what I mean. It is like okay, like really. I mean, somebody, were you willing to bleed for it? But get this, I just read a story last night about this, and I wanted to get to it because I was like, oh my god, I was just talking about like going this distance. Get this, Matthias. Stephen Adams tried to make himself bleed to get a timeout for the team once. They were out of timeouts, and he wanted. They were trying to get by some time, so he actually cut himself to make himself bleed, so they would stop the game, bro. That's another guy that you would expect he would do something like that. You know what I mean? And he did. <laughs> Wasn't Jason Kidd the coach that accidentally spilled the water to get an extra couple of like? Oh, well, that was genius. Minute? Yeah, yeah. He yeah remember his, that? He dropped his drink. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, Oops. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> that was genius, bro. Yeah, that was genius. That's genius. That's that's Hall of Fame stuff. You're like standing there. How do you have to wipe by some time? Like you're panicking. What do I do? 
drop my drink and spill it on the court is awesome, bro. That was that was a genius move, Matthias, what he did. <laughs> It was, and you know what? Play, that's a player's move, Gabe. You know, people that play the game, they think of all these little different things that well, can get like away with hockey. sneaky you tricks. Knock, you, knock the, you, knock the, you knock it off. Knock the, the goal board. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when things are not going well, Matthias, you sort of bang into the net a little too hard. You're like, raff, raff, the net came off. Like, you know what I mean? Go like the NHL you get a penalty. Like, but I've done. I, mean, I used to do it, bro. I used to be like, I don't like this at all. And I would just hit the net. Like, I've, ne- I've never been the one to fake an injury in soccer. But one time we were getting smoked in a soccer game, and it was two one. We were winning two zero. They scored a goal with about ten minutes left, and the game completely flipped on top of us. And there was a bunch of momentum going against us. I went out for a fifty fifty ball. I got there first. Uh, the striker hit me in the shin, very very lightly. I-, I felt contact, but it was very light. I knew right there and then I had to stay down and and act like I actually got hit and it hurt and I actually wasted about two and a half minutes. It was one of the most awkward things of my playing career. I've never done that before and I remember just like, oh, oh, I'm in so much pain. Oh my God. And like the striker is just laughing at me and I'm just like, oh crap, he knows I'm faking it. But my teammates are like, stay down, stay down, stay down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I never in hockey, I didn't do it. You know what our trick was? Like if you we wanted the fake timeout, was uh, equipment issues. So basically, what I do is like you basically you can see like your pad coming loose and stuff in the back. Like there's straps with like your little it's like mini belts in the back now. Whatever the modern stuff's like sure, sure. and all stuff. But yeah, yeah. Basically though, it would get loose on its own sometimes, Matthias. You got to tighten it up or whatever. And you'd have tape, right? So I can sort of see, and you just sort of you, you know what I mean. Hey, you don't have a choice. I got to go to the bench to fix my pad. Right, it's one of those type of deals. You'll see it in the NHL. You'll see it today and in modern days. And you'll always know it's coincidentally goalies' pads always need fixing whenever they sort of need a little break. Right? Like it's like, all right, we got to slow this game down. Like we got to give everyone, like even if it's thirty seconds, it's like a timeout. You don't have timeouts. It sounds like, oh, what are you guys talking about, man? Like it's coming at you fast. They're like, we need thirty seconds to breathe here. All right, and I don't care how we do it. If the goalie needs to come over and say that his face mask is not right, then whatever. And then, oh, no, it is right. Thanks for fixing it. And you get back out there. But here it is, yeah. So um, Paul George had Grizzlies for Jared Jackson on his podcast uh, this week. And the two exchanged stories about Adams, who is currently Jackson's front court partner on the Memphis Grizzlies. George set the scene, sharing the Oklahoma City uh, was in a tightly contested day game, and the play was being reviewed. But his team had no timeouts. <laughs> it's something they sorely needed. I'm looking at Steve-O. That's uh, Steve Adams' nickname. And there he is, scratching his face hard as F. <laughs> I'm like, yo, Steve-O, what are you doing? He's like, oh, mate, we don't have a timeout, and I'm trying to bleed. <laughs> he was trying to bleed so we could get the refs to give us a timeout, says Paul George. That's a teammate right there, Matthias. Right, that, that's a teammate. That's you know, great, Gabe. You know, I've actually never heard of somebody trying to cut themselves to, like, draw blood. That, that's a very Steven Adams thing, though, Gabe. That's not a very surprise. You know, it's in his New Zealand blood right there, Gabe. Let's go. <laughs> Gardner Minshew broke his own hand on purpose once. Yeah, well, you know what? That's very Gardner Minshew-like uh, behavior as well, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly like <laughs> I love that. Though. I knew yeah, that's great. When Gardner I read that Minshew, story, <laughs> Gardner Minshew revealed that he once tried to break his own hand with a hammer in order to gain an extra year of eligibility at East Carolina. <laughs> that's 
There you go, Gabe. Hey, whatever it takes. Like and he's in the America NFL. Said. Like, that's the type of story that you're like, all right, this kid's the real deal. Like, I actually know someone that deliberately smashed their hand on a work site and then fired work, like, filed for workers' comp, like, against the company. This is many. <laughs> I swear to God, they just like this. Matthias, the guy took his hand and smashed it against a brick wall. Like, he really did it. His hand was, like, broken in a million pieces. He did the old knock over a bunch of pallet thing, like, on top of them. <laughs> this guy was a real hustler, bro. He got caught for it. He got, he, he got caught. Aaron Bronstander joins us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, Brian. Care to place a wager? Tomorrow night on Fox's Celebrity Boxing, I've got Carol Channing beating Mike Tyson in three rounds. Carol Channing. You've got Carol Channing, the actress, beating Mike Tyson, the boxer. Hell, give me 50 bucks on Tyson. Yeah, you're in good company. Betting Freddy took the same wager. The late night anger match. What class this is? Portraits. I am Gabe Morancy. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people, the bust them, and everybody else in between. We've got a full house. Rob Vino, Rob Vino Sports Wager Talk will join us from Philadelphia. Brent Beard, um, First Coast News, ABC, uh, from Jacksonville, Florida. We'll talk some college football uh, with Brent. Tony Finn on the radar uh, tonight. Uh, we've got UFC 289 in Vancouver, and uh, Juliana Pena says. Uh, that she will be Amanda Nunes' biggest fan in the world on Saturday night. And, of course, Nunes uh, stated there's no way in hell she was going to retire and let uh, Pena uh, be the champion on the way out. And, of course, um, she's got to worry about uh, Aldania right now. Let's bring in the one and only Aaron Bronstad. We're kicking it old school, Channel 98 style, except it's Channel 159. We hit fast forward 15 years later. Aaron Bronstetter, TSN Sports in the house. Aaron, good to catch up with you. Thanks for taking the time to be with us tonight. How you doing, my man? Dude, this is so cool. I'm on the Friday Night Freak Show with you as a guest. I, I'm just elated to be on with you, Gabe. It's, it's great. It's a real honor. And anybody who's listening to this should know that I'm not where I am today without Gabe. Uh, Gabe is basically the person that turned me on to mixed martial arts in the first place. And uh, I'm always indebted to you. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so happy to be on your show with you. Well, I appreciate the kind words, uh, my man, and we're happy for your success. And yeah, it's crazy to think back of, of, of where we were then, and I should say even where the UFC was then, right? Of uh, you know, basically, I remember going back. You, everybody remembers the uh, the mayor of Toronto, may rest in peace at the time, Rob Ford. He wasn't even the mayor yet, and I remember having him on the show. Because he supported the legalization of mixed martial arts, and he wanted to, you know, to build the sport and everything. And then fast forward to fifty-five thousand people, but um, in Toronto for the GSP Jake Shields uh, fight. So it's amazing to see. But you know, we definitely had some great, uh, great times in in the um, on on hardcore sports radio and in the score days. But specifically with the UFC and stuff with mixed martial arts. I mean, the, the Uriah Faber shows at, um, at Mandalay were classic. 
Uh, you did a great job bringing these guys in. And, you know, if you think about it, I mean, how special was it? I mean, to have, remember that one night at Palace Station, we had uh, Frank Mir, Chuck Lydell, Heath Herring, and, uh, of course, Phil Baroni, who won't be joining us on the show anytime soon, uh, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) And and Phil Baroni, but we had some real great shows in those days. Live, like crazy live. Remember John Jones in Montreal, bro? The guy was like 3-0. No one even knew who he was still. Yeah, I drove John Jones and his fiance and Clay Guida and his trainer in my like small Toyota Prius from like downtown Montreal <laughs> to Park Extension. Good times, and uh, yeah, that show was memorable for me. I, I didn't, I wasn't at a lot of the shows that you mentioned. I just kind of booked them, like the one at the Palace Station. I was back in Toronto for that, so I didn't oh, get yeah, to experience yeah, yeah, yeah. it. But yeah, but it was, it was awesome just being able to listen. I mean, the sport at that point was in its infancy. It was getting very little coverage, and we were covering it consistently and getting guests on. And I was actually talking to somebody from the UFC about it today, about how I got my start in this business as somebody who booked guests. And that back then, like, there was really no PR filter for the uh, the UFC fighters. No. We used to just call these guys at, like, because they were in Vegas, we'd call them at, like, 12.30 a.m. our time, be 9.30 p.m., and be like, hey, you want to come on the show? And they'd, they'd jump on if we had a guest call through. Like, it was really uh, accessible back then. And I think to a degree it sort of is now. You can still reach out to these guys and they'll come into the show. But I think it was just different back then. And I think that's probably why I ended up doing what I'm doing. It's just It felt like we were really on the ground floor of something special, something that was growing. Yeah, it is much more, obviously much more uh, structured now. So as far as this card uh, is concerned, Liz, we had Eric Anders on the show two nights ago. And he said he liked Vancouver. Uh, but he wouldn't want to be here in the wintertime. And I said, nah, man, the weather's nice. And, and, and then, boom, the weather suddenly isn't nice. <laughs> but the fighters don't have to worry about weather uh, right now. Uh, they're preparing for the fight. So do you agree with everybody that says that this is a tougher test for Amanda Nunez than what Pena was going to present with Aldana um, as her opponent? I think so. I think I buy into that. And the reason why is because that last fight was so lopsided and not that Pena can't make the proper adjustments to try to be more competitive this time around if, if she were to be fighting tomorrow night. Unfortunately, she had to pull out due to a, a fractured rib. Uh, I think that Aldana right now seems to be just getting better and better and better. It's funny. I was talking to uh, my friend Carlos, who covers the UFC for ESPN Deportes. And I said to him, yeah, you know, I think, I think Nunez is going to win. And he goes, how? I'm like, well, what do you mean how? He's like, how? Aldana, Aldana's got her beat everywhere. She's got, got better striking on the ground. She's gotten way better. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, this must be a secret because Aldana's like a, Aldana's like a, a plus 350 underdog, right? So it's like uh, maybe he knows something we don't. I know he's tied into those camps a lot, but uh, I, I do think that right now of any fighter in the bantamweight division that Aldana does have the best chance of beating Nunes. I just think it's a pretty tall order at this point in time. All right, so what about the uh, the co-main event with, with Dariush and Oliveira? I got to tell you, I sort of bought into things originally that, you know, listen, Dariush is on an eight-fight win streak. I wonder where Oliveira's head is at after climbing. The, he's been around so long. He's been in so many wars. He becomes a champion. He's not anymore. How hungry is he? And all that other type of stuff. But ultimately, this sort of comes down to the number right now in which – I mean, people are betting Dariush like uh, they've seen Sunday's uh, Sunday Sherdog um, re- fight recap. 
uh, like they already know the result. And I have a hard time not taking Oliveira at plus 125. You've been around these guys. You've interviewed these guys. That what what about their size? Like what did Oliveira look like to you? Like it looked to me um, like at the weigh-in and at least the stare down a little bit. Oliveira looked pretty big uh, to me. What's your feeling being around Oliveira and where his head is at? How hungry of a fighter is he? Yeah, all week people were saying, oh, he looks really funky and it looks like he's not going to make weight. He shows up early, makes weight, and not only did he make weight, he was like 154 and a half pounds. He was like under championship weight. Um, I can never write off Charles Oliveira. I mean, to me, I think he's probably one of the best stories that we've ever seen in, in MMA. A guy who was kind of a 500 fighter who just went on an absolute tear and became a champion, which is just very unheard of. I mean, we saw Robbie Lawler, I guess, have something similar, but usually we don't see champions emerge in that fashion. Um, this, from a betting standpoint, is one of the worst fights you can bet on because it's volatility city. Like, I think this fight could go to a decision. I think it could end in the first two minutes. I think that <laughs> I Oliveira could knock out Darius. I think Darius could knock out Oliveira. I think on the ground, Oliveira can choke any human being on this planet out, but Darius is like a world-class jiu-jitsu practitioner. So my advice would be just to stay away. If you want to take a prop, I think the Oliveira knockout slash TKO prop at plus 550 is probably the best value that you can get because I think that Oliveira actually, his best path to victory, in my opinion, is on the beat. It is. I hear what you're saying with that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it went the distance. Olivier is an impossible guy to finish, yet he's also so electric. Yet is he really going to finish uh, Darius? It's a short, you know, it's it's a quick fight. But that's what makes good fights, what you just stated. When, when you're like, oh, when somebody says, man, that's a really tough fight to bet on, that means that's good matchmaking, right? That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed. It's not supposed to be easy. You know, as bad as we want it to be easy, but that's what makes this fight. Uh, we'll get Matthias's picks a little bit uh, later on, but and I got to tell you too, uh, Aaron. Anytime I flip flop on picks, I usually lose. Like my initial gut instinct is usually to one. And at first, I was on Darius, but I, you know, I don't want to get suckered in just because of the price. But I'm having a problem with it, and also. Not to take anything away, I don't like to disparage fighters, but the level of competition that they have faced is not comparable. Like, the eight-fight win streak is nice, but there's levels to this stuff. Remember, like Brock Lesnar said about Shane Carwin, that's why Division Two was invented, for people like him. That was the best, <laughs> that was the best line ever. Um, all right, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the Eric Anders fight against uh, Mark Andre Barrio? It's another classic example, man. Er Anders has been in there with everybody before, Aaron, man, including Leona Machida. So there's nothing Barrio's going to bring to the table that he's not seen before. He made the another gym uh, change to the lab with John Crouch. But Barrios, this is like you know, Barrios is a big fight for him. It's like the biggest fight of his life. Pay per view UFC against Anders in Canada and Vancouver. What's your take on this? I've decided on Anders after going back and forth. Yeah, my take on this is to avoid the sides because I think this is going to be a competitive fight that goes to a decision. So I like the decision prop at minus one thirty six. Uh, at least that's the price on FanDuel. Um, I, I think that this fight goes the distance, and I think. If you can find a split decision prop on it, I think that's the direction that I would look at. I think that fight can go either way. I think it's going to be competitive. I think that uh, Anders, I believe, is going to need to take him down at some point in this fight because Barrio gets better and better as the fight goes on, and Anders tends to slow down as the fight goes on. 
But I, I think that this is just going to be a really, really close fight. So I think you just make it easy on yourself. You bet on it to go to a, to a decision. If it doesn't go to a decision, at least you get an exciting finish out of the deal and maybe you walk away uh, at least a little bit less sad that you, you've lost your bet. Hey, before we get you out of here, we appreciate your time. Uh, what do you like? What, do you, what, do, what are a couple of the best bets you're looking at or best bets that you've spoken to people that told you that they like this week? Actually, oh, sorry, we're up against it. Hold on, uh, Aaron. We'll get you out quickly on the other side. I just want to get a couple of picks from you on the way out. Yeah, you bet. And, well, you know, and for, for old time's sake, let's take a couple of pot shots at the Big E, Eric Cohen, who does come on this show. <laughs> you don't know what to bet. Yeah, you know, I feel bad, though. He's a father now, so I don't like going at him the same way I used to. (laughs) SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This lady says I'm an artist. Your husband's work is what we call outsider art. It could be by a mental patient or a hillbilly or a chimpanzee. I am a chimpanzee. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morency. Sirius XM Channel 159 Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, including the mightier 1090, the 50,000-watt juggernaut ESPN Radio, SoCal, San Diego, in the house, or is Aaron Bronstetter from TSN Sports, covers mixed martial arts, the UFC in Vancouver, UFC 289, Amanda Nunes uh, versus Aldania. And, of course, we got uh, Charles Oliveira taking on uh, Dariush. Let me ask you, we'll we'll get to Cohen, our boy Cohen, in a couple of minutes, but let me ask you about the prelims. If there's so, for people that are going to the card, like, what's a fight on the prelims that you are looking forward to watching and or betting on, Aaron, that you're like, you know what, this is a fight that, you know, get there, make sure you're there on time for this fight because that's going to be the one you're going to want to see. What fight on the prelims stands out the most to you? Well, I think it's, I mean, you got to take the easy way out here, but I think that the main prelim, uh, I guess the main event on the prelims, if you want to call it that, but Chris Curtis and Imola fight, I think is going to be awesome. I also think that you're going to get fireworks in the Kyle Nelson and um, uh, Blake Bilder fight. I think that's yeah. going to be an exciting fight. Not the same name value as Chris Curtis and Imola necessarily, but I think in terms of just sheer excitement, that should be a fun one. All right, so we were talking about um, the, the bets and some of the picks that you're looking at. We didn't get to our boy Dan Ige. He was on the show. Uh, with us last week, Dan Ige smartly rolled in wearing Vancouver uh, Grizzly gear and looking good uh, doing it, taking on late uh, Nate Landwehr. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Like both these guys bring it; they both have bad intentions. I think Ige's trying to Ige's trying to get another 50k here. What are your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, this is the type of opponent that Dan Ige is used to beating. I mean, he's the type of guy that. He, whenever you put guys like Nate Landwehr in front of them, and not to take anything away from Nate Landwehr, Dan Ige tends to be able to handle people that are, I guess, lower in the rankings or unranked. It's when he gets that top five kind of threshold that he's had some difficulty. I still think that he has the potential to break through at some point, but a fight against Nate Landwehr, to me, I think he's got a lot of advantage in this fight, and I don't really see a great pass for Nate Landwehr. Landwehr, again, a very good fighter, but I think that, we're talking about Greek versus very good here, and uh, I would go with Danny Ige. I, I think he's a good parlay piece if you're looking for one. So, uh, Mike, um, the, the 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 there's not they're not household names on this card, 
but there's some fighters like that are entertaining uh, fighters. What do you think about the uh, the Fugget fight here, in which he's a plus one seventy five underdog against the Canadian that they put on the main card? Yeah, I think it's a good fight, especially if you're trying to, I guess, boost Mike Malott. I mean, Mike Malott's got kind of that GSP thing going for him. He's kind of clean-cut, good-looking guy, except I think he's got a lot more charisma than GSP did. And if you look at his track record, he's nine wins all in the first round. I mean, this is an exciting fighter. And I think they're betting on this guy right now to be perhaps the next star out of Canada. I, so I they're giving they, him guys they think he matches up well with then, right? Yeah, I think he matches up nicely against Fugit. I think Fugit is a good fighter. Um, and I think there's going to be a fun matchup. But at the same time, I think that this is a, a very winnable fight for Mike Malotta. Another guy that I think you could – I actually think his price is kind of low at like minus 200, minus 220. I think he's another guy that you can parlay pretty comfortably. There's the parlay with Dan Ige right there. Remember, so GSP was the face of it, and you had Rory, but there were so many others. Going back to the original OG, David the Crowloiseau, Carlos Newton, um, and you know, but there was just so many others that you know I could just stuff off, you know, that were fighting at a TriStar in Montreal. I know Zahabi's on the card here, but who is that next great Canadian? Is it Mallet? Like who is it? There hasn't been you know that Canadian superstar. Where, you know, GSP used to be the biggest, one of the biggest stars in Canada, right? I mean, let's call it out for what it is. And, and Canada was just sort of a hotbed for mixed martial arts. That's died off a little bit. I know there's still fighters putting the work in, but from that star type of contender, future champion type of fighter, is he it? Does he have that uh, potential? Yeah, Gabe, we got to be real about this. We don't have a single ranked Canadian right now in the UFC. Like, ranked. Not, not a single. Any division. Not you know, there's one. not a Canadian top 15 in any division. Wow. In any That's way, saying. right? So we've got to be real about this. We need that next Canadian to step up, and I think that Malott could be that guy. I think Charles Jordan is another guy who's fun to watch, still in his 20s. And I think, honestly, a lot of the fighters right now that are on the regional scene are, are going to start coming up and, and doing good things in the UFC. But right now, I don't see any real contenders. And I think that's a problem. I think that the pandemic certainly hurt the regional scene in Canada. There were no events going on for like th almost three years. So it kind of made the, uh, the regional scene kind of swell up a little bit. So I think that, again, they're kind of betting on Mike Malott here because he's in this time, 31 years old, nine wins, all first round finishes. Like this is the kind of guy that you want to hitch uh, your wagon to because he will represent the sport well. He'll represent Canada well. He's an exciting fighter. Is he the guy? I just don't think he's fought anybody just yet in the UFC where you could look at him and be like, yeah, I think that this guy's got like a, a real future to be a champion. I, it just They haven't put that opponent in front of him yet. Not that he can't do it from a, a skill standpoint. It's just we kind of need to see, right? And I think that uh, with Charles Jordan, they put him up against some really good opponents, and it's been sink or swim for him. And he's, he's beaten guys like uh, Duho Choi, who at the time was considered a, a top prospect. And uh, he just beat Crone Gracie a month ago and just completely destroyed him. I think that those are the kind of guys right now that we're, we're taking a look at is um, the, the future of Canada in the UFC. And I also think that, again, on the recent scene, Charles Jordan has a younger brother, Louis Jordan, 125-pounder, who's just an absolute beast right now. He's in his early 20s. I think those are the kind of fighters that we're going to start seeing more of in the UFC. We've got a couple of the contender series coming up. But right now, nobody's really standing out. Aaron Bronstetter with us. And uh, I don't know if you saw the video tonight, guys. There was one shot of it. One And at first, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to get sued for this, right, with Conor McGregor. Did you see it? Conor McGregor and the Miami Heat mascot. So Conor McGregor's at the Miami Heat game, 
And what somebody tweets a video and goes, Conor McGregor just effed up the mascot. And you see him, and it's like a full punch. Bam! Like, for real. He swings for real. Bam! With a hook. The mascot goes down, and then Conor goes down for, like, another shot. And I'm thinking, what, 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 like, what are you, insane? And then I see another angle of it. And props to Connor. Uh, he's working on his WWE skills, Aaron. He smoked the mascot's head off, uh, his hat off his head. <laughs> but it looked really good. He did it like, bam, off the head, like right over the guy's head. And then the, the, the second shot, he sort of backed off. And I was like, man, that was pretty impressive. That was, that was some good, nice wrestling skills. So I'm not going to lie. I was this close to, like, tweeting out, what the hell's wrong with this guy, man? Right? But, and I was like, no, 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 no. He actually was just playing it up, and it's all good. No, not there's no no uh, no lawsuit coming. So before we get you out of here, it seems like ticket sales are pretty good. The secondary market's really buzzing, man. Like floor seats are going for a lot of money. Um, there's a lot of excitement. We were talking about MMA in Canada. It's the first card what since 2019 in Canada. What's the buzz that you're feeling about? And um, we're gonna be there. We look forward to this card, but it seems like uh, there's gonna be a pretty full building tomorrow night. Yeah, I spoke to Dana White earlier, and he says it's a sellout. So it's going to be a sold-out building. And if you look at the amount of money that the tickets cost, I'm curious to see what the gate is. I mean, it could end up being maybe even the biggest gate in Canadian history. Uh, so uh, I'm eager to see what that figure is because it seems like the energy in the city, I don't know if you've gone to anything just yet, uh, like in terms of the press conference or the weigh-ins. I mean, they've got oh, you working like a dog. Me. They've got you working like a dog, Gabe. they got you doing like... 30 hours of radio in 24 hours. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't want you leaving your house. They don't want you to get into trouble. That's actually smart of them, actually. When I, I'm going to give them credit, the bosses. They, they know that if they, if they keep you on the air, you know, you're not going to be out in the streets causing chaos. So, not always. Good on your, your bosses. Well, not always. I mean, you, you go out for, yeah. you go out for like a 30 minute break or weekend. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't time. I can cause trouble. I can cause trouble in a hurry. But no, there is a buzz. And like I said, I follow the secondary. We talk about ticket prices a lot for different events on the show. And I've seen. I'm like, damn, man, they they ain't playing around here. And you know, listen, there's always going to be people out there. Oh, this card isn't this. This card isn't that. I think it's a good. You know, listen, man, Amanda Nunes is a Hall of Famer, right? Charles Oliveira should be a Hall of Famer. Like the, guy, the guy's a champion. Yeah, he's a lock. He's a lock. Absolute yeah. lock for the Hall of Famer. So, I like, agree with when, you. Yeah. So when people say like, oh. You know, this card and that card, it's like, man, I look at it like, man, hey, it's a special chance to see Amanda Nunes live in person, bro, right? It's a chance to see Charles Olivier and Darius in person and, you know, and a bunch of up-and-coming fighters and other fighters are going to be swinging for the fences trying to get that 50K uh, home. Okay, before we get you out of here, what's the best bet or two that you want to share with, with us uh, on the way out here? Well, I mentioned uh, Nelson versus Blake Builder. I like the under two and a half in that one. It's minus 136. Uh, I, I think it's actually gone up a little bit since I, uh, I put those odds up for my picks for TSN. I think now it's more in the minus 150 range. But even in that range, I, I'm fairly comfortable that fight goes under two and a half rounds. Um, I like the, the Mike Malott and Van Ige parlay that we talked about. And I think yeah. you could probably throw Nunez in there, too, if you have some confidence in Nunez if you want a three-legger. Um, I also, you know, you asked me about Anders and Dario. One of my, my picks for this week is that that fight goes to a decision at minus 136. And then uh, if you want like a dart throw, again, I like that Oliveira by KO, TKO at plus 550. I like Chris Curtis by decision at plus 350. I think that Chris Curtis, that, that's kind of a coin flip fight. And I think that if Chris Curtis wins, it's probably by decision at plus 350. I like the value there. And then Mike Malott 
you can get him by submission in round two or three at plus 650. I know he's got all of his finishes in the first round, but we know that when you're fighting mostly on the regional scene, that's a little bit easier to do than when you're in the UFC against a guy that was a regional champion in Fugit. So uh, I like the Malat by submission round two or three at plus 650 if you want a bit of a flyer. Yeah, Malott and Dan Ige's plus 106 right now at FanDuel parlay together. I don't have a problem with that at all. And we're going to start slinging these plays together. I wanted to hook up with you. Maybe we can. I know you're busy, and uh, you're a real pro, so you're doing the press conferences and all that type of stuff. See, like you said, uh, Aaron, I've been around long enough now. People are like, oh, why don't you do this and get down and get a pass? I'm like, no, no, I just no. I'm just going to go as a fan, stay stay out of trouble. I got no shows. I'm just, you know, go, going as a fan. But um, maybe we'll run into each other. I'll send you a message uh, tomorrow. But like I said, I know you're going to be busy. You're going to be getting in there for the first fight. We're going to tweet out where exactly. We're going to hang out for a couple hours before the card starts and just meet some people in downtown Vancouver uh, before the event. Hopefully it stops raining. But welcome to Vancouver, rain city, as they say. So on the way out here... I don't know how much time you spend in, in the studio and the headquarters and how much time Cohen does and stuff, but do you still ever get a chance to terrorize the biggie Eric Cohen in person? Unfortunately not. I don't see Cohen all that often. Uh, I'm, I'm usually working from home, and he works later at night than I do. So I, I don't see him that often. We we do suffer TS and Edge together, so you know we haven't really collaborated on anything, but we chat from time to time. And he, he helped me actually uh, – cut a couple of videos of mine during the pandemic when he was doing more stuff for TSN Edge uh, before they kind of built that department. So him and I would get on the phone and chat and catch up from time to time. But I got nothing bad to say about the Big E. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's the same guy. He still has all these, you know, down on his luck stories from whenever I, I had the chance to talk to him. But uh, that's just, that's, just uh, that's the Big E for you. I, I miss the ability to prank him on, on regular occasions unfortunately but uh yeah you know uh, i have him on now but i almost feel sorry for him he's got the, the he's like a defeated married man you <laughs> would kid he's like i'll be i'll be here in a minute like he's like oh like, you know how he is oh he's the same but one thing i love is how he managed you know what i mean he manages to be that guy you know when people are walking around the newsroom in the back just to make sure they get on tv that's the big <laughs> eric cohen <laughs> yeah, you love see him you. in the background with behind yeah, Ducky in the background. Oh, I didn't know I was going to be on. Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, you did. Hey, you're the best, uh, Orville. Great to catch up with you. Aaron Bronstadter. Thanks, Aaron. Anytime, man. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. stuff with Aaron Bronstadter. We're not done with the UFC and uh, 289. We'll go over every fight, give you picks. I like that parlay. Uh, I'm down with the parlay. So like I was saying, listen, you know, Canada GSP used to be the best. You could argue GSP is one of the best of all time, right up there. I mean, it's debatable who the best of the best is. If you ask people who the best mixed martial arts or artists of all time, people pretty much come back at with you the same time. You know, Fedor, Anderson Silva, GSP and John Jones. 
John Jones, though, she's so annoying. <laughs> He's just so annoying. And, and John Jones. And John Jones. Those other people fought all the time, though. It's not, John Jones is amazing, but it's easier not to lose when you fight, like, once every two years. Um, then, like, you know, those guys, it was like, you know, all right. You know, like, the, it's changed now with the rankings and not really the rankings. And you know what I'm saying? Before, there wasn't rankings in the old days. But everyone knew who was next. It was like there was no hiding it. It really it was more cannibalistic before. That's why nobody would be a champion for long before. It was hard to be a champion because it's like, yeah, good for you. You just beat Tito Ortiz. All right, wow. You know what? And now you're going to fight Rich Franklin in three months. And it wasn't like I'm not ready. It was like, no, you, you whether they're ready or not, they wanted to fight. It's become bigger now. The money's bigger. They're more athletes now. Not that they weren't athletes before, but before it was just more dudes that were like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm just going to fight the guy, right? Yeah, it was a fight. It's more of a sport now, I'll say. In that sense where, you know, some people don't even really, a lot of fighters, like a lot of new guys don't really even like fighting. Danny Ige likes fighting. They got a lot of guys on this card and girls that like fighting, actually. You'd be surprised. I know I know a big-time fighter, man. He told me, I said, what's the game plan? He goes, not to get hit in the face. He goes, I hate getting punched in the face. I said, you're a fighter. He goes, I don't like it. <laughs> this is sports rage.